The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the NBC Circling the Bases podcast. I'm your host, Matt Williams. You can find me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. We are here for a very special uh, episode. We are right before the World Series, and we are going to talk a little bit about prospects going into next season. Uh, things you, Players you can look out for in the Arizona Fall League, players you can look for in the offseason to see if there's trades made or acquisitions made that may change the value of different players. So joining me on the show to talk all about prospects is the prospect guru himself from over at fan tracks, Mr. Eric cross. What is up, Eric? Uh, Hey Matt, how's it going? Doing well. I'm I'm a little stuffed. I just ate a lot of steak for dinner before we came on here. So a little stuff, but you know, getting ready for the world series. It's a fun time. What kind kind of steak are we talking here, Eric? It was a carne asada. Ah, yes, it was. It's, it's a, there's a local, uh, butcher place right right so one of the grocery stores nearby just a small little local place where i live and they just have really good meats and yeah they have all different steaks and uh yeah i got the carne it just melts in your mouth and it's just so great yeah i'm, um, I'm all about ma- the marinated steak i love argentinian yeah. and peruvian food so like chimichurri stuff like that i love so yep. carne asada right at my alley so um yeah jumping into prospects because uh, we're right here before the pinnacle of uh, uh the baseball season the world series which is what everyone is aiming for and we're now going to talk the opposite end prospects, people that haven't even gotten started yet. They well, the or mostly it's the bad teams that are trying to regroup and actually get to where these two teams are right now, the Astros and the Braves. So we're going to go position by position, uh, talking about prospects that, that could make an impact next season, 2022 in, in fantasy leagues. So, um, before we get started right now, going on is the Arizona Fall League, which is great. And you went out to this great event that Baseball HQ puts on. If everyone is not aware of it, they do something called First Pitch Arizona. Um, and what it is is basically like a fantasy baseball symposium of sorts. You go out there, they have lots of different um, different meetups and different events. You can learn all sorts of different things about sabermetrics, scouting, and it happens to take place right where the Arizona Fall League is. So when you go there, you can go all sorts of games, scout live. So when you went, um, you were just there. Did you, uh, did anyone kind of jump off the page to you as far as maybe someone that, uh, you know, is uh, higher in your eyes now or someone you didn't even really think of much, but now they're kind of piqued your interest. Yeah. The, the first two names I immediately jump out. One was already in my top 100 and you'll like this Brett Beatty from the New York Mets. Uh, he was already a top 100 prospect for me, but just seeing him live, and he's he's struggled since uh, we kind of came back. He's actually got, got into a little bit of a slump, but he just looked completely in control of his at-bats. He was spraying line drives all over the field. He had a one, I think it was a 111 exit velocity on a triple to right center. Uh, he's going the other way. He's driving the ball at all fields, dr- drawing a lot of walks, too. Didn't have any home runs uh, in my life. I, just, I think he still doesn't have any home runs out there, but he's hitting for a high average, so a lot of doubles. So um, I think he's going to be a guy that, 
Mets fans are going to be really excited about in the next, probably won't be up this year, but probably 2023 he'll be up and just a really good hitter to hit for average, hit for power. Um, yeah, I, really I feel like he's, there, there's no immediately, um, they're going to, I mean, they're probably going to sign someone to play third yeah. and, and more than likely someone's going to end up having to move to left because the, the Mets have a couple of options to play third base there as well. As far as prospects go, I mean, we have a very talented shortstop <laughs> is basically our number one in the entire, he's probably going to end up moving, have to move to third. He's very, very tall. Uh, and then, um, and then in, in, in all in all, they're probably, I mean, he knows if they, there's rumors, they may sign Carlos Correa, he'd play right. third. So who knows if, if uh, Brady will have to move to third. Do you think if they pulled something like I'm, I'm I saw a lot of Brett Beatty, uh, last year, just watching him move up. And he looks like someone, if they threw him into the fire, kind of like um, Pete Alonzo was, mm -hmm. I, I feel like he could be fine. Not that it would be like the best move for him, but I feel like he's like a good enough hitter where I think he could, I think he kind of figure it out, but luckily that won't have to be the case. But so you don't think he'll be up at all. I, I, I kind of felt like uh, he'd be an opera. There might be an opportunity if there was an injury or something for him to be like a June guy. It's possible. I, I think it definitely a spot opens up. As I agree, he is. He's very advanced for his age. He's already 22. Uh, he feels younger than he was, but he came out of the draft at 19, uh, high school bat at 19. So he's a little older when he got drafted. He's going to be 22 here, I think, in a few weeks, middle of November. Uh, but, yeah, very advanced hitter. Like I said, good contact skills, good power. So I think he's one that could hold his own. And he he did get double A uh, for about a month and a half into the season. So I bet you he starts out there, but probably quickly up to triple A and, could be ready by midseason. I don't know if the you know, like you said, I, I bet you the, the Mets bring in somebody. So, um, but there, there is an opening. I think he could be ready for it. A uh, long term. Uh, again, I'm selfish. I'm a Mets fan, so bear with me, everybody. <laughs> I'm I'm talking to Eric about the Mets for a second. Uh, the other prospects that I'd mentioned earlier is Ronnie Mauricio. Um, many. I mean, if it's not Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty's at the top. It's Francisco or uh, Ronnie Mauricio is a, is our shortstop. Francisco Alvarez is the big catcher. Do you think Ronnie can stick it short? Do you think he'll go to third? And then Mark Vientos, the other one of the other Mets kind of top infield prospects, he's also at third. Last year, they actually alternated putting Beatty and, and Vientos in the left field. So from maybe even a dynasty perspective, uh, what are we expecting these guys to stick out long term of those big three? Yeah, that, that's that's a great question. I do think Mauricio can stick it short. He's he's a, I'm not saying he's a gold glove caliber defender there, but he has shown to be at least a solid to above average defender so i think if that's what they want him to be long term i think he could stick there if i had to venture a guess i'd say i mean i i think you gotta think one of these guys gets traded i mean it's just it's hard because you already get the shortstop right so um i get a feeling maybe mauricio gets dealt that'd be my guess Beatty at third vientos and left if i had to guess i i, I kind of agree that the, the easiest way to fill starting pitching is probably through trade. Yeah. Uh, not to mention Dom Smith and JD Davis are also available for trade as well, but the right. DH is finally coming. So anyway, exactly. we can move off the Mets for now. <laughs> uh, you said there was one other player uh, that wasn't in your top 100 that uh, jumped out to you. Yeah, well, he wasn't, he is now. <laughs> and and uh, Chris Clegg and I just interviewed him uh, earlier this afternoon on Fantrax Toolshed. That'll be out on Wednesday. That's Joey Weimer outfield prospect for the Milwaukee Brewers. He, you know, he had a breakout year, 2021, he had 295, 403 OBP, 27 home runs, 30 steals in just 109 games. And he showcased all those skills. I think he's an across the board guy. He threw out a guy at third from right field. He had a couple home runs, a lot of hard hit balls. Uh, so, and he has, has that, you know, just talking with him watching him play. He, he looks like a, like a ball player that's going to excel year in, year out. So 
uh, that all the tools are there. The performance in 2021, I think, is mostly legit. Uh, so he's shot way up my rankings. Like he's pushing top 50 now after seeing him and uh, kind of backing up what I saw from him during the minor league season. And so Joey Weimer is a guy that if you play dynasty leagues out there, go out and get him now. Because I think by this time next year, his prices will be way higher. Uh, so where where do you um where do you slide him in the other big prospects that the well out, entirely outfield prospects the Brewers have they have the Sal Freilich they have Garrett Mitchell, um I mean they could have a very nice outfield come three or four years from now uh, where does he slide in um among the among those two, uh, right now actually and if you added Hedbert Perez as well I actually have Hedbert Perez the highest and okay. I'm. I still have. I guess I. I guess he's. Eight, I guess he's so young. Yeah, he's, kinda, he's still far away. Yeah. Uh, but for those three, I'd, I'd have. I still have Mitchell slightly ahead. I'm still a big Mitchell guy. Uh, but it's very close between between him and Weimer. Um. But yeah, and Freelick's pretty good too. Yeah, he did have an injury, but uh, very advanced collegiate bat, high contact skills, good speed, solid defense and center. So yeah, they got a lot of good outfield prospects in that org. Yeah, they got the. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, Yelich's got the back problems. You got uh, some. You got the uh, aging. Um. Can't even think of his name. He's their well, center fielder. Lorenzo Kane. Yeah, Lorenzo Kane aging, but the, yeah, they have a lot and a lot of very impressive names coming through the system. Yeah. So uh jumping into our position by position, these are just prospects we're gonna talk about that we're talking about 2022 only. Whether uh you should draft them in just a regular redraft league, whether you should hold off and maybe stash them later on, something to keep an eye on. Uh, and so starting at first base, some guy you definitely want to talk about is the Royals first baseman Nick Prado. Uh, is he someone people should be keeping an eye on in spring training as someone who could actually break camp? I think he could. Yeah. You know, he got up to triple a mid season, got 63 games in there in triple a Omaha. And he just absolutely dominated this season. 265, 385, 602 slash 36 home runs and 12 steals across 124 games, basically split down the middle between double a and triple a. And he's, he's a guy that a lot of the top Royals uh, hitting prospects had a really down 2019 season. It was like him, MJ Melendez, and Celia Matisse all had terrible 2019s. Uh, two of them bounced back, Prado and Melendez, both had fantastic years. And Melendez could be up midseason as well. But uh, Matisse did not. But yeah, Prado has shown good power, a little bit of speed uh, from the first base spot as well. He's almost like a uh, kind of a scaled back version of a Paul Goldschmidt. Where I think he could be a decent but not great abac, a 260-ish hitter. Uh, good OBP, though. He's always had a high walk rate. Uh, add, you know, five to eight steals from first base and give you 25 to 30 home runs as well. You know, whether that – I don't think that's going to come in 2022, but there's not a lot in his way. So, he's, I think he'll either break camp or be up by, you know, the end of May at the latest. So, yeah, definitely one to look out for. Hey, at first baseman, you can get a little steals out of. You definitely have to pay attention to. Last right. year, between AA and AAA, he had, like, 36 home runs combined. Uh, 12 stolen bases combined, but in, in the lower levels, I see he's still 17. He's still 22 is yeah. I mentioned, you said uh, five to like eight uh, out of him is, is him going that Paul, like early Paul Goldschmidt upwards of 20. Is that like a possibility or is that something he's leaving in the lower minors? I, I don't think so. We've kind of seen this before. Some of these just athletic first basemen that have had bigger stolen base totals in the lower levels. And mm-hmm. you know, especially down in like in single a both levels of single a, the, the quality of catchers and their defensive skills isn't quite up to par yet. So uh, I always caution to take stolen base numbers down there with a grain of salt, but he's definitely athletic enough where he can get, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he had some double digit stolen base total, like, you know, 10, 11, 12, a uh, few seasons like in that range early on. But yeah, I don't think, I, I wouldn't say 20s in the, in the cards now. All right. The other first baseman I want to talk about is uh, from your Boston Red Sox, Tristan Cassis. We'll talk about him only because 
Uh, Kyle Schwarber came out and said he wants to come back to the Red Sox, but I mean, a lot of people are going to be lobbying for his services. I don't right. know if he, they want him at first base, if he wants to stay there. He had one of my favorite moments in the entire season when he kind of messed up the toss to first, and then he threw a perfect the next time. He took a <laughs> bow. He tipped his cap. It was beautiful. <laughs> yep. uh, so he wants to come back. We'll see whether that happens or not. But if it doesn't, uh, Tristan Cassis is available. I imagine he won't be someone who will be breaking camp. He, he literally just squeaked into AAA at the end of the year. Um, he did end up with like 270 plate appearances, but you know, he um, – Oh, no, I'm sorry. He only, he only added uh, 42 plate appearances. Sorry, 42 plate appearances. Uh, so, you know, he didn't really get a whole lot of time there. But it is good that they at least pumped him up. So uh, as a Red Sox fan, where is your expectations of maybe when you can expect him? I mean, at this point, it, it's, it's obviously dependent on what they do in the offseason. Right. Uh, but let's let's assume Schwarber leaves and nothing's blocking him more than your typical Mitch Moreland type veteran. Uh, let's just throw that as an example. Uh, does he have a realistic possibility to be up soon? I think so. I, I wouldn't say opening day or, or even April. I think he's more like a, a mid-season June, July call up, unless there's an injury. So we, we still got Bobby Dahl back. He can play. He's a solid first baseman in his own right. So I, I don't think they're going to be. It's going to be a huge need. <laughs> Apologies, Red Sox fans. I completely you didn't even use the, even say Dahlbeck's name. That's uh, all good. Um, but yeah, Bobby Dahlbeck's you know good first baseman defensively. You know solid power bat as well. So. I don't think there's going to be a massive need to for them to rush Cassis. You know, and he had kind of an up and down minor league season. Like I saw him uh, plenty, probably 15, 20 times here in Portland, Maine, uh, where he was at for most of the season. And he was he looked good, but not great. But it really took till after he went to the uh, to uh, the Team USA for the Olympics and all that stuff. And when he came back, like he was a different hitter. Like he was a hitter we all expected him to be. Like he hit three twenty three. In September, 471 OBP, 754 slug, seven bombs in 19 games with more walks and strikeouts. So uh, that's the cast we've all been looking for. Maybe not a 323 hitter, but um, I think that hopefully that will kind of carry over, get some momentum into 2022. He'll probably start at AAA, I'm assuming, um, get a couple months in there, and then be up midseason. But yeah, definitely, like maybe like your 50 round draft and hold type of, of format. You could take him, you know, in the last handful of rounds just to get maybe to get that power first baseman midseason. So um, yeah, about June, July for him. All right, uh, moving over to second base. Uh, we're going to stick right with the Red Sox. Uh, let's talk about Jeter Downs because when the Mookie Betts trade went down, I would say at the time, the projection was going into 2022 opening day was the hope that maybe he'd be ready to go. And you see is what he did in like kind of the lower minors, uh, almost double digit home runs in, in 2019. He did get their 24 home runs combined, 24 stolen bases. So, you know, that 2020s real before even stole 37 in, you know, in a ball, but you said you kind of take those with a grain of salt in the lower levels, got to triple a this year, 14 home runs and 18 stolen bases. You kind of like what you see there over 405 plate appearances, but that did come with a 190 batting average. Uh, his strikeout rate did jump to 32.3. So uh, it looks like he'll at minimum, they'll want him to get a little more comfortable at that advanced area, but uh, they, they will have a, you know, a need for him uh, unless they, they go out and, and sign someone, which, so I don't know that's in the plans. I would assume they're not going to try to block him because he looks like he could be ready sooner than later. Um, how do you feel about Jeter Downs? Yeah, I, I think he he's well liked within the organization, and you know, as one of the pieces in the Mookie Betts return, us Red Sox fans are really hoping he works out. Because if Downs flops, then it's like, all right, we got Verdugo and Connor Wong, but Downs didn't work out, so we're all hoping he works out. Yeah, he um, rough season. Like I said the power speed was still there, 
But and then something we saw both Chris Clegg and I out at the Arizona Fall League was that like he had a home run. He had a home run off Bobby Miller, one of the Dodgers' top pro- pitching prospects. Oh yeah, didn't uh, yeah. It, that was a bomb, right? Yeah, yeah, ambushed a fastball right out the right center. Probably, I think it was about 400 feet. And that's been the thing with, with Downs. He can really hunt out and demolish fastballs, but off speed has been where he's struggled. And we saw that because after that home run, uh, his next to bat against. Miller and then a couple more again after Miller, they were just feeding them nothing but breaking pitches. And he was, he looked lost. So uh, he's actually had a really good fall league in general. I think he's one of the top hitters uh, out there and he has more walks to strikeouts, which is nice to see. But uh, I think the quality of pitching out there hasn't been great. So uh, once he gets back in the AAA, uh, it'll be really interesting to see how he looks next year. Cause he really has to, you know, recognize spin better, get and improve against off speed pitches. So to match how he is against fastball. So I do think he'll be up. Another, yeah, I think him and Cass is probably up around the same time, give or take a month or so, probably mid season or so. But yeah, he's another one that that power speed blend, and I think he has a pull heavy, not super pull heavy, but he does like to pull the ball a little bit. And we all know at Fenway, he's gonna be putting a lot of balls off that monster or into the monster seat. So I think his his profile fits Fenway pretty well. So I think he'll be a guy that'll be really intriguing power speed, but once he's up, so another one of those like deeper drafting league, you know, late round stashes. For um, because you're you know you're the prospect you're you're definitely the prospect guy for as far as me on the fantasy side where I'm just basically looking at things from an analytics standpoint I'll take a look at the eye you know I'll t- I'll do the eye test but I like talking to uh, you know scouting people such as yourself to give kind of keep me in line but when I'm trying to project players to the majors to see how they do just from a number counting standpoint I love to look at plate discipline because more often than not that seems to be the thing that. Uh, carries over he so i at least that he has still that 9.4 percent walk rate which in the the lower minors he's in like you know 10.7 11.3 so that was nice just the uh yeah. the strikeout rate ticked up so at least it looks like his maybe his um pitch identification isn't necessarily off it's just um <laughs> it's just really high quality pitches that he just needs to get better at actually making yep. contact so, Absolutely. yeah, so we'll see. Uh, the other second baseman, well, technically third baseman, but uh, rumors are he'll be going over to second is uh, Nolan Gorman, where I believe they played him at second quite a bit already this past season, right? For the Cardinals, there's a rumor that he might be taking the second base job as early as opening day. So uh, let's talk about Nolan Gorman, who a lot of people thought was buried severely behind Nolan Arenado. He has a second wind here. Yeah, yeah. Once the once the Cardinals acquired Nolan Gorman, everyone's like, I mean, excuse me, acquired Nolan Arenado. Too too many Nolans on that, in that system now at that position. But uh, yeah, everyone's like, oh, what about Nolan Gorman? And he made that transition over to second base pretty, not not I wouldn't say seamlessly, but he looked pretty well uh, from all accounts that I've heard. And yeah, he played uh, about th- three quarters of his time was at second base this year between Double A AA and Triple A. And he's very intriguing. He was already an intriguing prospect in general at third base. But at second base, he gets even more intriguing because that power at second base could be really, really valuable. Uh, this is like this is a 30 homer bat. He's not a huge guy. He's only like 6'1", 6'2", you know, I think about 210 or so. I think he's listed that. So not like a huge guy, but it's really, really good raw power. Can really drive the ball in the air consistently. He had 25 home runs. Uh, this year in 119 games, 523 plate appearances. I think there's even more there in the tank. I think he could be a 30-plus homer guy. Average probably is never going to be going to hurt you either. Probably like a two, 270-ish, give or take, hitter. OBP probably in the 340, 350 range. So pretty solid in both categories there too. And he's another one that can add a little bit of speed as well. 
Uh, it kind of reminds me of like um, you know, Dan Ugla back from you know 10, 15 years ago. Good power, okay average, uh, that, that type of player. So, and he should be up fairly soon. It'll be interesting to see what St. Louis does uh, this offseason and free agency. But yeah, he definitely could be one up early next year. Yeah, because right now at second you have Edmund at shortstop. You had DeJong who to Jong who would who pretty much gave up the job to Sosa. So yeah, I'll see where they move Edmund um, and you know what they do with the outfield. Lars Newbar did really good. They already have a full outfield too. So St. Louis definitely has some moving pieces. Uh, yeah. The thing with Gorman that was interesting to me is he moves up to Triple A, does really well um, in 2021 in Double A, 11 home runs, four stolen bases, over 109 to five plate appearances, batted 288 with a 351 Babbitt moves up to triple a 14 home runs, three stolen bases. That's 274 with a 301 Babbitt. All that lines up. You basically normalize the Babbitt and that's where the batting average went. The only thing that's still the stuck out for me is a ball 36.4% K rate, 28% K rate, high a 31.7 double a 26.7 triple a 19.2. I know some hitters get better, for some reason, or any players get better sometimes as the competition gets better. That does happen, but what's with the strikeout rate? <laughs> just keeps going down. By the time he gets to the majors, we're gonna be looking at like a 12% strikeout rate. Right. What, what's what's the deal here? Uh, is this something that we should maybe um expect to jump back up, especially when you jump to the majors a little closer to like kind of that 28 to 30 range, or is this just a good hitter getting better? Uh, because that is a thing that could obviously wildly change how he performs, at least how people are going to be valuing him in fantasy. Right. No, for sure. And I think it's a little bit of both. I think from all accounts, uh, you know, people I've talked to that no, Gorman is a very smart hitter, you know, makes adjustments you know, all the time. And so I think it, he has gotten better. You know, that, that was an issue of his in, in the low levels, as you, you, you mentioned, the strikeout rates. So I don't, but I don't think he's gonna be like a you know fifteen percent guy by any means. Probably like you know t- low to mid twenties, twenty two to 26 percent. So I think what's the league average on like 24 percent nowadays. So I think mm-hmm. he'll be right around there. Yeah, he's just continuously gotten better. As have the contact skills. At one point, I was wondering if he was just gonna be like a two forty guy with a bunch with some empty power, but to the point where I, I think he could be two seventy now with with the way he's improved his approach. Still doesn't walk a ton. Not like you know. Sorry to use this example, Javi Baez levels um, or Mondesi levels, but you know, he's like a six, seven percent walk guy. He's a little bit of an aggressive approach, but with how his contact skills and approach have improved, I think he'll be okay. So yeah, he's just gotten better over the last couple of years. All right, now the the player everyone's been waiting for, Bobby Witt Jr. Yes, um, you are definitely going to blast me for what I'm about to say because this isn't real baseball. This opinion I'm about to give you, it's not real baseball. This is fantasy baseball. I could see, I mean, maybe it's not as crazy. Bobby Wood Jr., if he's up opening day, which he very well should be, I I think I might rather have him than Wander Franco. Um, but I know you know Wander Franco is going significantly earlier in redraft, so that's baked in. Bobby Wood Jr. is just a guy where I think Wander Franco is just a better player. But as far as fantasy, what Bobby Wood Jr. is going to do, I mean, he looks like he could be a 30-30 guy like, quickly where Franco may take a little time maybe for all of his skills to truly come out in fantasy. So I'm not saying I'm taking him like, you know, if you're giving me both in a, in a one section, who do I want him or him? I'll take Wander Franco, but I'm more excited this season about Bobby Witt Jr. I know a lot of people are, so it's not like you're getting a discount on him. It's not like I'm sharing a secret, <laughs> but um, just fantasy wise um, between those two guys, just because Wander is someone who, 
people are taking real early and early mock drafts for next year, like third round, fourth round. Bobby Wood Jr., though, people are getting antsy. There's still, I've seen him go early, like sixth, seventh, eighth. So there's no real discount there. So, I mean, last year in the um, between double and triple A, basically was 30 30, uh, about it uh, combined about 290 uh, for the season. So, um, I, am I insane? Am I drinking too much Kool Aid here, Eric? You are not drinking too much Kool-Aid, and I love Wander Franco. <clears throat> I've said on more than one occasion that I think he's going to be like Aussie Albies plus like a bunch of average and OBP. But yeah, in terms of the true fantasy ceiling, Wit has a higher ceiling, and I, I do think more power will come. I, I do think Wander will be right around like a 25 uh, homer guy, maybe 30 at peak, adding you know, 12, 15, 16, 17 steals, somewhere in that range. But obviously with a, a huge average. So, um, but yeah, Bobby Witt might not have the the hit tool and the, and the average and OBP f- uh, ceiling and floor. It's like a Ronald Acuna light. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> it really is. Like he could be a 30-30 shortstop and he could be a guy fast forward three, four years that we're drafting in the first round of fantasy drafts. And obviously Wander could as well. But yeah, Bobby Witt, the power speed has always been there. It was, all right, how's the hit tool going to come along? How is he going to come along as a pure hitter? And he answered basically all of those questions this year, hitting 290, you know, cut it, keeping the K rate in check, drawing walks at a higher clip than he did uh, back in 2019. So, yeah, it's not crazy to say that, you know, Witt's going to be a better fantasy guy than Wander. It really isn't. All right. Uh, the other guy I want to talk about shortstop is, uh, and that was Wander Fran- or, or Bobby Wood Jr. we were talking about, O'Neill Cruz, who, man, I don't know if, if he was up at the end of the year when everyone else was far more exciting, like watching – watching the Dodgers try to chase down the Giants and and everything with the AL East. They were trying to get everything squared away with who's going to make it in. The Pirates sneakily brought up a couple of their top prospects, um, Roanzi Contreras and then O'Neill Cruz, just at the very end of the year. And Cruz looked amazing. One, dude's like seven feet tall <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. at, at shortstop. Between him and Cole Tucker, I think it's like the, the tallest like double play combination I think I've seen ever. Uh, but he comes out. I mean, he gets a couple of base hits. He hits a bomb. I think he matched. He was like top five max exit velocity for the season. Like he's up there with Vlad and Shohei Otani. So I mean, he immediately showed off his ability to like you know his high end uh, ability. But uh, he obviously has a lot of holes in his swing. Um, do you think the Pirates will let him into the lineup, or is this more of a hey? You know, we just wanted to give you a nice pat on the back. We don't have our usual September call-ups. We wanted to get you a couple of bats. Or do you think that there's a realistic chance he's up early? I think there's a chance he's up early. Yeah, he only got six games in and AAA. But uh, Pirates have shown that they're not afraid to bring up guys. Like they brought up, you know, Brian Hayes, let him kind of get his feet wet and and run with the job and learn on the fly. I think that might be the same kind of situation here with, with O'Neill Cruz. And, yeah, it's, it's funny. He's so tall. I Back when I was doing my uh, top 25 team by team prospect articles every offseason, I made the joke one year that every year I did it, like I feel like I had to add two inches to O'Neill Cruz's height. He was like, oh, he's 6'4. <laughs> now he's 6'6. Six, six, now he's 6'7. It's like he's going to be like 7'3 before he's done done growing. But, um, and that makes people wonder, can he say it short? I think he can. Like, you know, the other obvious spot is moving over to third base, but Brian Hayes is a damn good defensive third baseman. So, I do think Cruz can stay at short. He's shown that he's a solid defensive shortstop. Good range despite his size. He's very athletic, very strong. I see he had his back-to-back years, uh, actually back three straight years of double-digit steals, and that power is just going to be a major asset. Like You look at his, his numbers, he has a career high of 17 home runs, only 49 and 100, and uh, excuse me, 404 career minor league games, but 
this is like double plus 70 grade raw power and he's just still growing into so it might he might be a guy that just takes a little longer to really get into his groove at the major league level and you know find his stride offensively but when he does i think he's going to be a absolute monster at the plate so maybe 2022 leagues you know i won't be expecting a huge impact like i, said, I think this would be uh that natural growing curve with him but long term this is a very good prospect so Maybe take a shot at him because the upside in, in the late rounds of draft and hole is good. Yeah, he's very talented. He'll be a guy who comes up, people overhype, he struggles, and then you get the massive discount next yep. year, and then he takes off. 100%. I, I love it. Um, same thing I saw with uh, like a – what I'm trying to think of. Uh, I can't even think of it. Oh, Ronnie Mauricio, the Mets. He, he oh, comes yeah. up as a young kid, very like kind of – thin kind of lanky and you look at him like what is everyone seeing this guy which a lot of people have a hard time projecting forward like what does it mean when you grow in that he comes back spring training the next year after hitting noodle line drives he's now just all of a sudden smoking the ball and that's all of a sudden o'neill cruz is just going to come together and just pow that, that, that's uh, the thing people kind of forget is that prospect growth isn't linear it's so different for every player mm -hmm. depending you know the, the frame they have how much you know experience they have so it's not like all right they come up and Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Do this right off the bat. Yeah, it's different for everybody. Uh, third base. Third base for 2022 redraft is a cesspool. It is the worst position you can draft as far as players that are currently in the major leagues mostly due to people either losing position eligibility or we just had a lot of players struggle last year so we'll see if yon moncada comes back i'll believe in him forever he's too good too. uh you know K Brian hayes had a rough uh, had a rough go there's just a dj lemay who fell off there's a lot of things but there is a large crop of talent coming at third base whether or not they all stay there is one thing but uh spencer torkelson the the star of the show Unfortunately, left the Arizona Fall League early, I believe, with an ankle injury. But I don't know. Uh, that seems more of a just a maybe um, just a s being on the safe side than pulling yeah. him from there entirely. But uh, Fangraphs roster resource has him in their everyday starting lineup for the opening day. They have him over at first base. Um, I was hoping that maybe like we can work out a Dom Smith for Heimer Candelario trade between the Mets and, and, and Tigers uh, and, and keeps Torkelson over there at third. <laughs> but uh, either way, uh, the Tigers say they're going for it. Their manager said we plan on recruiting. A lot of people think they're going to be legitimately in there for like Correa and uh, other the other high end shortstops. So 
uh, Torkelson looks like he could be in there opening day. And uh, that seems to be what most people think. Yeah, I think he's definitely up very soon. I'm not sure about opening day. I don't know if Detroit wants to start his clock early, but definitely up soon because you know he got up to AAA near the end of the year, and he, he's just flat out hit at every level. Granted, he did you know struggle a little bit at AAA, only hit 238, but at the same time he had a 350 OBP, 11 home runs, and 177 plate appearances. So looked pretty good despite that kind of lackluster average. But yeah, long term. I don't think Torque plays third. Uh, he was a natural third baseman, actually. And then when he got to Arizona State, they already had uh, Alika Williams, who was a very good defensive shortstop now in the Tampa Bay org. Uh, they put So he was at short, which moved Gage Workman from short to third, and then Torque from third to first. So I think there's kind of rumblings that Detroit's maybe not ending the third base experiment, but I'd bet money that he long-term he ends up at first base. But wherever he ends up, you know, it'd be nice to be at third base because, like you mentioned, it's like you got the, the top three. You got what Joe Ram, Devers, and Machado, and then it's just like a bunch of question marks for one reason or health, performance, whatever it may be. So I would love Torque to end up at third. That would be great. But yeah, probably first base long term. But like I said, whatever wherever he ends up, this is a guy that's going to be, I think, Pete Alonso with maybe a touch more upside. So uh, yeah, definitely excited about Torque. He should be up by the end of June at the absolute latest. I think. How do you feel about him in uh, 2022? Uh, because we're going to, you know, to spoil the names coming up, Josh Young, Jose Miranda, maybe not on the level of his ceiling, but uh, Miranda, at least someone whose power I think could show up maybe immediately. Uh, Josh Young will be significantly cheaper if you look to acquire him in 2022 leagues. So um, if he's someone who gets hyped up because if spring training rolls around and he's it's gonna it's looking like he may make the team or might be a situation where he makes it very soon, if he jumps up into the early, early um, rounds, um, are you comfortable thinking that his 2022 season will be that much better than um, some of the other, you know, veterans that available later? Or do you think this is maybe the hype might be exceeding his reality in 2022? Probably more so the hype exceeding the reality. I think Torque can be pretty good. Like I think, well, maybe the hit tool might be, you know, we've seen him be kind of inconsistent in terms of his contact skills so far, but so maybe, you know, let's say he's up super, let's say he breaks camp. I'd probably bet him hitting more than like 250 ish this year initially, even though I do think he could be like 270, 280 long term. But I think at least the power should be there. If you give Torque 550 plus plate appearances, I'd be willing to bet he hits 25 plus home runs and that still has value. And, and driving in, you know, they'll probably throw him somewhere in the middle of the order. So, you know, 80 plus RBI or so. Um, so yeah, he'd be worth taking a shot in the middle rounds if it looks like he's going to break camp with the team. Um, but I don't think there's that huge of a gap this year between him and like a Josh Young, who has a pretty clear path to playing time, probably would have been up last year if he didn't get injured midseason and missed a couple months. So I think he'll be up fairly early. Miranda, I love. I just don't know where he plays. It's not like this, you know, glaring opening uh, in that Minnesota offense. We'll see how you know injuries. People always want to replace Miguel Sano as if right. forty bombs for his salary is in a good exactly. Deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's, he's still deep. Maybe he didn't pan out quite how we wanted, but yeah, he's still hitting a crap ton of home runs. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's not really an uh, opening spot for for Miranda, even though he's a very good player, and I think he's very legit too. We'll talk about each of these guys one at a time. But as far as, um, again, we're really excited about all these guys, especially from a fantasy standpoint of Dynasty. But uh, to always re- reel in the listeners, I like to give the example of Kyle Seeger. His batting average really dropped off a cliff this year. The last couple of years, he's, I don't know, career best power. 
he's going to go somewhere that's probably a little bit better to hit where he was. Um, if you're going to pull any of these rook, any rookie early, always try to find the boring veteran. I just throw out Seager because he's literally as boring as they get. <laughs> no one respects him in fantasy drafts. If you're going to pull a, a rookie really early, find a boring veteran and be like, is he really going to be better? And we were saying with Torkelson, you, if you expect the batting average 100% to be there, I mean, you know, is he going to be that much better than a boring veteran? So just like always ask yourself that, you know, yeah. this year, it is rookie year. Uh, what's he going to do as far as, you know, if you're drafting, red drafting him early. Uh, but someone who won't be going as early is Josh Young. So let's talk about him a little bit on Texas. He, as far as uh, his minor league numbers, he's never really gotten the bats to kind of show off over a full season, which I kind of think is what's keeping his profile low as far as the casual fan is concerned, but obviously he is, he's a tremendous talent. So I've heard a lot of rumblings that uh, in Texas, like he sh should be someone that should we expect to see relatively soon. How do you, how much do you like Josh Young? I love Josh Young. And I think you hit it right in the head. The fact that he was drafted in 2019. So he only had you know, 198 play appearances after the draft. And obviously we, we missed 2020 with the minor league season. And then he had the injury this year that limited him to only 342 plate appearances which I think has helped. Like that's kind of suppressed his value more than it should. Because Josh Young is a very, very good hitter. Was three forty eight career hitter in college at Texas Tech. More walks than strikeouts. Four fifty five OBP. And he's a three twenty two career hitter in the minor leagues through one hundred and twenty two games with a three ninety four OBP. This is a it doesn't bring much speed to the table. He'll never be more than add you know sprinkle in two or three here and there. But this is a very, very advanced bat. Um, doesn't strike out a ton, you know, walks, doesn't have a huge walk rate, but can walk a little bit as well. And just the contact skills and the power is there. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be a, you know, a huge, like 320, 35 bat or anything like that. But the name I kind of go to initially, whether it's right or wrong, Anthony Rendon kind of fact, he's always like a 280, 290 type of hitter, 25, 30 home runs. I think that's what Josh Young can be. And like I mentioned earlier, there's not a lot in his way in Texas. So, I said definitely should be up. I, I say by the end of May, you'll see Josh Young up. So very sneaky guy to get late rounds, deeper leagues, draft and holds, whatever it may be. So I think he could be an impact bat right away. Cool. And that's Josh Young. Uh, the last guy we touched on very briefly is Jose Miranda. We're not sure where there is to go, but he, see, he seems ready to go um, if they, they can find him a spot. Nelson Cruz says he wants to come back. Obviously, if he doesn't, the DH being open will open things up, but still you got uh, Trevor Larnack, you got Alex Kirloff coming back. You, you just, you have a full house there uh, to, as far as the at-bats. We already mentioned Miguel Sano, Josh Donaldson, if he ever graces us with his president when he's not injured, <laughs> but uh, between double A AA and triple A 30 home runs last year, 345 and 343, albeit he did those batting averages of 342 and 362 Babbitt, which you can't erase as a fluke because he hits the ball so hard yep. and he's doing it with this really low strikeout rate. So, I mean, I'm excited. I've already drafted him once in a draft and hold league for anyone who doesn't know what that is. You draft like 700 players. So uh, <laughs> I got him late. So, I mean, you know, if I can afford to wait, but in a standard league, you don't have that, uh, you know, the, the problem with him actually getting at bats is an issue. But if Miranda were given the opportunity, however that shakes out, uh, how would you rate him as a rookie with Torkelson and Young as uh, if they were all starting on opening day uh, because I I'm really excited about Miranda. Maybe it's because I've seen the most of him. <laughs> so I'm a little biased. Yeah, no, I think he could be just as good as either one of them this year because 
I think obviously I don't think he's a 344 hitter uh, like he <laughs> was this year, but I think I, I just kind of tweeted that about this earlier today when someone asked me about him. I think he's legit. Like he has to stand out with the bat. He doesn't bring like a ton of defensive, you know, present. He's he's decent defensively and he can play multiple positions, which is valuable. But he's really gonna have to stand out with the bat. And I think he can. I think like he had 12.5% walk or uh, should be strikeout rate this year and 591 plate appearances to go along with that 344 average, 30 home runs, 32 doubles. Uh, he almost had 100 runs, 100 RBI as well. So I think he's going to be a very good four category guy. Won't bring really any speed to the table. Um, that's ever been his forte, but I think he can be one that hits for a high average. This is an above average hitter, above average to plus power in game potential. So, um, yeah, it's just if I, he needs to get a spot, whether that's a second base, third, and they move him to outfield. Who knows? Um, who knows if Bucks can stay healthy? So There's probably be some moving parts. Like you mentioned, Kirilov is there. Larnick is there. Royce Lewis will be there eventually. So uh, who knows how this shakes out. But I, you got to think that they somehow find a spot for him. I'm not sure where that might be, but somewhere. And, yeah, I think he's going to be just as good as Josh Young. So um, definitely want to keep an eye on. That's Jose Miranda heading to the outfield. Uh, before we get to the main guy in Seattle, um, let's let's talk about another selfish player because I've drafted him already. Is Riley Green? Unfortunately, left Arizona Fall League with a concussion, but uh, there are actually written reports that they want him to uh, be their starting center fielder. Um, that they, they'd like him to break camp, and they're going to give him the opportunity. My guess is he won't, <laughs> but uh, he'll be up soon after. He's someone you look at his numbers in 2021. I mean, you see a 298 and 308 average. That's accompanied by like a 386, 406 Babbitt. But he's done that also in the very in you know the lower minors as well because this guy has he hits the ball still very hard. Line drives is very very fast. Those are the things that kind of make up like if you want to carry a high Babbitt, those are the kind of skills you want. So whether it's going to be 386 or 406, you can't really count on that. There's not, not everyone's Tim Anderson, not everyone's John Moncada, but um, you know uh, it, it's, it's, it's a possibility. So it's not something I want to totally write off, but anyway, I'm, I'm excited about him because you know, if you find an outfielder with power and speed, it's always exciting. Uh, then you put him in Comerica and it's a little less exciting, but uh, <laughs> you know, there's not much blocking him with the Victor Reyes there in center field. They can always go the free agent route, but uh, Riley green, tell, tell, tell us exciting things. Cause I really already said, I already drafted him. So I don't hear, I don't want to hear anything bad. You you won't hear anything bad. Don't worry about that. I love Riley Green. I bumped him up in well inside my top ten overall. I have him even ranked ahead of Torkelson. Uh, that's how excited people should be because yeah, Torque has the you know the huge power and he has the power advantage over Green. Green, I think, is just the better, well-rounded player for fantasy purposes because while Torque doesn't bring any speed, Green brings that speed. He won't be a huge speed guy, but this is a guy that seems to get better and better every year. He was a, a, one of the more advanced high school bats in that 2019 draft class. And uh, you saw in 2021, hit 301, 24 home runs, added also eight steal, uh, eight triples and 25 doubles, a lot of extra base hits, 16 steals, only caught once, and that's now 21 out of 22 for steals in his minor league career. So a uh, very smart bit player, very well-rounded offensive talent, where I think he'll be you know like a 280-plus hitter, 25 or so home home runs, add in like 15 to 20 steals, you know, hitting right in the middle of an order. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be one of those well-rounded five-category fantasy assets. And, yeah, he should be up very soon. He's a good defender as well, which definitely helps uh, him get up sooner 
um, than if he wasn't. We saw how like Seth Beer had a hard time breaking in because he wasn't didn't bring anything defensively out there in Arizona. So I do think Green's up very soon, probably even before Torque. I drafted Seth Beer too. <laughs> I, I like Seth. He's a great hitter, but just like, the DH is coming to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, he he's a, he's a DH through and through. <laughs> uh, I'm so sad he got injured. He was he was he raked in his one week in the majors or whatever three games in the majors, whatever it was. Right. Um, Julio Rodriguez, and again, we were just talking about Riley Green, Detroit Tigers. Julio Rodriguez, if you believe the reports of the uh, whatever the leaked af- the leaked memo from the horrible meeting that got everyone fired in Seattle, um, the uh, Julio Rodriguez is apparently the plan was for him to never come up last year and for him to come up this year. That being said, he's he's never gotten to Triple A yet. He started in um, High A. He he made it to Double A. Just destroyed the ball. Bat at three sixty two, seven home runs, sixteen stolen bases, only two hundred plate appearance, two hundred six plate appearances. Uh, it doesn't seem that he's likely to break camp. They probably will want him to at least get a taste of Triple A. I would assume, but they this team's a little better than they I thought it would be. Um, so I guess depending on the health of all their outfielders, they Kyle Lewis is still dealing with some issues. Um, is he a guy that maybe we can hope to see like around super two time, uh, mid to mid to end June. I think that's definitely a possibility. I think he's almost kind of on like the same timeline as Jared Kalanick was last year, maybe a little bit behind it, but yeah, I do think he's up by the all-star break, you know, assuming he continues to hit like he's capable of, and there's no injuries in there. He has dealt with a couple injuries throughout his minor league career, but People need to get incredibly, incredibly excited about Julio Rodriguez. Like, obviously, everyone knows about him, but you know, I've heard some people call him Miguel Cabrera with speed. Like, that's how potentially generational of talent we're talking about here. Guy that has a plus hit tool, could hit 300 or higher. Huge power. Doesn't have the huge homer numbers yet, but don't worry. That power is there. He could be 35 homer bat. And he's quicker than people give him credit for. I don't, I wouldn't expect another 20 steal season, but 10 to 15 steals as well. He's a good runner. Uh, I think people kind of overlook that when they look at how good he is with the bat. Uh, but he can add the steals as well. And, you know, he's just hit everywhere he's gone to 331 career minor league hitter with a 412 OBP and 962 play appearances. So he has hit everywhere. He probably would have been up at AAA this year if he didn't have the injury. Only had 74 games total, but 46 at AA. I got to imagine he's probably starts at AAA. I think that'll be slightly aggressive, but I think he's, if anybody can do it, Julio Rodriguez can. And yeah, it's kind of be interesting to see how the, in, the outfield shakes out in uh, in Seattle next year, especially with Kyle Lewis and whatnot. But I think when J-Rod is ready, he'll be up. Like They'll find a spot for him. That's what you do with these types of guys. So assuming he hits the ball at AAA like he's probably going to and just dominate as he has everywhere, he's probably up by yeah Super 2 or so. The guys that are at this level, like the Bobby Witt and everything, they're they're they have a good chance to crack the their actual roster. Julio, we don't think does. Is he good enough in your opinion where people are gonna Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Ask, and they're going to continue. Is he someone where you're, if you have a deep enough roster, like, you know, maybe like a 10 person bench or something, do you, can you see drafting him and holding him? Or do you think like, uh, how do you feel about holding people in redraft for that long? Like if you're in a shallow league where you only can maybe put five on your bench, it's a little more difficult. Right. No, absolutely. And that's something that's burned me in the past and probably burned many people listening to this podcast. We all like to do it. You know, we see the upside, we get intrigued by it. You know, it happens. But yeah, if you have deeper benches, like I think 10 would be a good spot. Um, Because what are the other guys you're going to have on the back end of that bench, right? It's probably some spots you're cycling through, whether it's pitching streamers or just back end bench guys you're hoping get hot, whatever. So if you can afford just to have one spot for a prospect, yeah, J-Rod is definitely one because I think he could hit in the major leagues right now. He's that good of a player. Um, So obviously they want to get him more seasoning, not rush him too much. But yeah, I think he could be one that does step in and and produce right away. So definitely a deeper bench would be a good spot for him. It's like Jordan, but with base stealing knees. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, uh, that was again, that was Julio Rodriguez. Everyone, one of the best prospects in all, if not the best prospect in all of baseball. Um, Brennan Davis. Let's talk about him. Uh, at Roto Fanatic, one of the places I work, we uh, Paul Mamino has this thing that he he uses for prospect analysis, just based on uh, their comps of what other players have done at certain levels, and. Brennan Davis is like actually always at the very top of ours, like above Julio. Julio's right there, but man, our system loves Brennan Davis uh, and everything he does. So Chicago is as as bleak as it is up there. Uh, you do have one, at least one very special player on the way. Uh, how do you feel about Davis? Who I don't know how their new system is going to work in Chicago. How fast they'll move him along, but I mean, if unless they're completely messing with him, he should also be up before the All Star break. Yeah, more than likely. He hasn't really spent uh, a ton of time at any one level. Uh, the most he's ever had at one level was double uh, A this year, 76 games. Uh, went, you know, only had eight games at high A. Uh, he was at single A in 2019. So uh, always been kind of pushed a little quickly, and he's responded at every level and never really um, struggled anywhere. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely one to get excited about. Like, I have him as a top five overall prospect. Uh, not quite on J-Rod's level, but – has a lot of similarities to J-Rod. This may be scaled back a bit. Like, I don't think he'll hit for as much average, but uh, it could be another, like, 30-plus homer, 15 or so steel guy. Great athlete. You know, really barrels up the ball well. A lot of raw power on that profile as well. Had a little bit of an issue with strikeouts this year that he didn't really have in years past. Mm-hmm. Uh, had, a, had a K rate pushing 30% for most of the season. Did come down near the end. But um, so I think he'll have to cut down on the swing and miss a little bit. But uh, this would be guys could be, you know, 270, 280 hitter, 30, 15 type of player. So uh, he had 15 games at AAA uh, end of this year. He'll probably start back there um, in 2022, assuming the season starts on time, fingers crossed. 
and then be up, yeah, probably midseason or so because you know, there's not really much in his way. And yeah, he's going to be a guy that they build around. So I think they'll probably want to see what they have in him midseason. And he's going to be one that, you know, maybe he's one that takes a little bit of time to get his feet wet at the major league level. But the upside here is off the charts. And no one yelled at me. I didn't say Brennan Davis was better Julio. I said our system likes him better. <laughs> I think it might. I mean, he's an on-base machine. So it pretty much grades out like who has the best chance of reaching their potential yep. in the majors safely. So, I mean, that's like a wholly different, totally different animal. It's not total ceiling. It's like, I guess, percentage chance of actually reaching it safely. So anyway, right. they're all good. Uh, our last outfielder we're going to talk about, and that was uh, Brendan Davis, Chicago Cubs. We're going to talk about Alec Thomas right now, the Diamondbacks. Uh, he's someone that, uh, again, could see time, uh, should see time with the, uh, the Diamondbacks sometime this season, but they're in no rush to move anyone along. Seth Beer, like you said, is up, though. So it could be time. Um, Cole Calhoun can't stay healthy. David Peralta is not getting any better. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Kendall Marte continues to get injured. Um, I don't know if they're going to trade him or not. We'll have to see how serious they are of trying to maybe put a bandaid on it and contend this year or just, you know, kind of move into the youth movement here. But what do you think of Alec Thomas? Dude, I love Alec Thomas. And he's one that has always been overlooked to a degree because there's always been an outfield prospect in that organization that has a higher ceiling than he does. It was Christian Robinson, you know, um, a few years ago, and now it's Corbin Carroll, even though he's injured. But the guy that's always been there and always producing has been Alec Thomas. You know, the 2018 draftee, he's a 312 career hitter over 276 games in the minor leagues. It's really outside of a 23 game sample size and high A in 2019. He's hit above 283 at every level, hit 313 this year, double A, triple A, 300 in 2019, 333 in 2018. Doesn't have like the huge ceiling, but there's solid power here, solid speed. Maybe he's a guy that's always kind of flirting with 2020 in that range. Uh, maybe he's a you know 18 to 22 home run guy, same with speed. So um, I think he's a, he's a high on base guy as well, 388 career OBP, a walk rate right around 10%. So he really kind of profiles as a great number two hitter, in my opinion. Maybe not a leadoff hitter, maybe not a middle of the order bat, but right in that number two hole, get on base at a high clip, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. Uh, so I think he's going to be a guy that steps in pretty quickly. Uh, he got 34 games at AAA this year, so probably starts there in, in 2022, but I can see another midseason call-up for him. So like, you, like you mentioned, the Arizona outfield isn't getting any better, so I think he could be one of the first ones up when they need another outfield body, and I think he could be a guy that kind of doesn't stand out right away, but kind of sneaky under the radar production right away. I'm going to bring a comp up that's going to put a frown on everyone's face, and you shouldn't because you should remember how good this guy was when he was healthy and younger, um, and uh, his name is Adam Eaton. Uh, do you think that that is kind of what we're maybe looking at, the kind of player that Alec Thomas can be? Because remember, Al everyone, try to remember what Adam Eaton was when he was at his healthiest at certain times. I mean, sometimes it's harder to remember the A.J. Pollocks of the world too, which – uh, you know, is maybe another good one, but uh, is is that the kind of player we're kind of looking at? Nice little, like you know, decent, uh, not quite three hundred batting average, but just like maybe twenty twenty, maybe a little better at his best. Yeah, I, I think maybe yeah, a little more power speed than mm -hmm. Eaton had, but yeah, that's a very solid comp because like, I just pulled up Eaton's numbers and yeah, it's kind of there was like 2014, 15, 16 when he's with the White Sox, three hundred, mm -hmm. two eighty seven, two eighty four. You know, steals 15, 18, 14, back-to-back -back 14 homer years. So, yeah, I think that's pretty pretty spot on. I mean, I said a little more power speed than Eaton, but, yeah, just a, a guy that gets overlooked every year because he doesn't have the huge power or huge speed, but just always there with good production. So, yeah, I think that's a good comp. 
Uh, I said, hey, maybe uh, Pollock could have been better considering he was actually in Arizona. Uh, yeah, let's go over to the, the one and only catcher we're going to talk about. And that was Alec Thomas of the Diamondbacks. We just mentioned uh, Adley Rutschman, uh, fortunately with the Orioles organization, uh, got in 185 plate appearances in AAA after batting 271, 358 plate appearances, 18 home runs. Comes up and hits 312 over 185 plate appearances in AAA. He looks ready to rock. Uh, he probably was anyway. He, he's someone that if um, – a worse organization could have just thrown him to the wolves and he probably would have, would have been fine, but it, all in all, it's good. Uh, not for fantasy who we want everyone called up. We don't even care what <laughs> happens, uh, but it was probably good in general that they, they kept them down there. But uh, the chance Cisco, they shipped out of town they had another, I mean, they basically, there's, there's literally nothing stopping them from, from bringing this guy up immediately. So uh, everyone knows how good he is. So, uh, how early do you think he comes up, Eric? And how good do you think he can be in his rookie season? I think he comes up pretty soon. I'd say probably May or so if I had to guess a month. Um, I don't think Baltimore, they want to start a service clock right off the bat. But once all those deadlines pass, I think he'll be up very soon because he's ready. Like he's honestly ready. He's one of the more advanced hitters I've ever seen. Like I'm honestly, I'm only 31 years old. I've been covering prospects for 40 years or anything like that. But he is just a very, very advanced bat. And don't worry about the catcher thing. People are like always oh, a catcher, but uh, highly athletic catcher as well. I don't think he's going to be one that gets like a ton of days off. Probably like one of those 140, 145 games played catcher. And then he, he could, you know, keep his bat in the lineup, play him a little bit first, a little bit at DH as well. So just to keep that bat in the lineup, because this is a real true, you know, four category stuff that you build around. You put third or fourth in the order, just let him go hit 300 with 30 plus home runs. So, uh, I think he's going to be a guy that comes in right away and hits, hit because that's all he's ever done ever since he broke out his final couple of years at Oregon State, which kind of bolted him up to being the top overall pick that he was uh, in 2019. The guy just hits high average, high OBP, doesn't strike out much at all. He had more walks than strikeouts in college and almost has the same amount of walks as strikeouts in the minor league, 79 to 90 last year. So very advanced hitter, very great contact skills and power. I think he's a big guy that steps in right away and produces. I don't want to jinx him, but it's like the best catching prospect I can remember coming up since like uh, Matt Weeters. Yeah, I was like since like Weeters, <laughs> Joe Mauer. Yeah, back then. Yeah, <laughs> not to not to make this Orioles fan sad. I think it's going to turn out a little. <laughs> I think it's going to turn out a little better. Yeah, uh, I hope so because yeah. I was a big Matt Weeters guy too. I loved. I had him in a lot of dynasty leagues back then, mm-hmm. and like, he had like a couple years where he was like pretty decent. But yeah, just. Never lived up to expectations, so I think Rushman will be better than that. <laughs> All right, and that's Adley Rushman. We're going to end the show with three starting pitchers as we're running long, as we always do here on the Sunday show. Uh, Shane Baz, he got up for a cup of coffee and then started in the playoffs because the Rays, that's how they do it. You're not ready, but you are definitely ready to start playoff games. <laughs> So, uh, you know, just a, just a one more, you know, salt and lemon in the wound for Pirates fans. So you, you see that last throw-in player from the Chris Archer trade come up and dominate. Uh, so uh, Shane Baz, they have, they have a lot of young pitchers. Shane McClanahan, uh, they have Rasmussen. They have, they have a whole ton of, of arms there. Luis Patino, uh, where do you think he fits in? Is he someone that you think that will actually get um, full run? Do you think, you know, because – it wasn't the same raise this year as like before uh, the, the Blake Snell raise where you weren't allowed to go longer in games. They were a little <laughs> better about it this year. Yeah. Uh, so do you think that uh, Baz is someone who is getting maybe, do you think he'll get overlooked because of the minimum amount of time he had? Or do you think someone, he's someone who should be taken seriously as like a big, mega threat in his rookie year? Uh, he's someone that should be taken seriously. I have him as my, my SP 40 
uh, for 2022. That's how high I am on Shane Boz. He's always had the electric stuff. He has always had a super high strikeout rate, but command and control was an issue. But we interviewed him uh, back right when the pandemic started last year. It was like early April. I think we talked with him. And he was talking about how he really wanted to take the time just to like focus on the, the basics, right? This mechanics, throwing strikes. And he did that. The walk rate plummeted. Uh, he's, now, he's now an above average walk rate guy uh, while not losing any of the effectiveness from his arsenal. Very elite arsenal. Can really miss bats with several pitches. So, yeah, I think while he might not pitch more than, yeah, I'll say 130 or so, give or take innings. He was at 78 and two-thirds. Uh, this past year, plus a little bit of time with Team USA, so probably around like 90 or so. Uh, so I think we'll get up to that 130 range, but I think he's a guy that could have low ratios, plenty of strikeouts, where if you're drafting him in 15-teamers as your – I'd love to get him as my SB4, but even as like a back-end SB3, I think he'll be worth it because, yeah, he is, he is legit, and the improvements he made are legit. So I'd be buying into him 100% for next year. Who do you like more long-term, Baz or McClanahan? Oh, dude, I knew you were going to ask me that. Uh, that's so hard. I love McClanahan. Like, I put out a tweet that uh, there was two pitchers in baseball that had a whiff rate of 40% on three different pitches. It was Corbin Burns, and it was Dylan Cease. And the guy that just missed by literally his third pitch was at 39.9% was Shane McClanahan. If I had to pick, I would go Shane Boz. But I think they're both very good long term. And I, I hate I want I hate that I my Red Sox are have to face those guys every year for at least the next you know four or five until they get too pricey for Tampa Bay to re- retain. But yeah, they're both gonna be very good. I think someone McClanahan. He's like one of those guys on pitcher pitcher uh, pitch ninja that the it's basically like wizardry. Some of the stuff yeah. he throws up there. Um, Cade Cavalli. I watched him. I I live in uh, South Jersey, right side of Philadelphia right across the bridge from Wilmington, Delaware, where the low A Washington Nationals play. So I had the privilege of watching this ridiculous guy just blow the doors off of people. Uh, As a Mets fan, I'm definitely not excited. He's in the division at all. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I know you are a big fan, though, too. I've seen you pumping him up quite a bit this last season. So, uh, Cade, it's good to see a Nationals. uh, Josiah Gray, Kibbe Ruiz, they brought him right up. They didn't have to. So they look like they're willing to bring up their rookies and try to compete with them pretty quickly. So, you know, maybe we see him a little earlier than, uh, than maybe some people think. Yeah, it's definitely possible. And they did that with Juan Soto in years past. They've shown that they're not afraid to call guys up when they want and uh, when they think they're ready. And I think Kiki Devali is pretty near ready. You know, he only had six starts in AAA and he did get hit around a bit at a 730 ERA in 24 and two thirds. So I don't think he'll be up you know, opening day or even April, May, but maybe June, July, let him settle back in, dominate as he did in double A and in high A, where he had, you know, a 177 ERA in high A, 279 in double A. I saw one of his first double A outings uh, when he came here to Portland and he absolutely dominated four pitches. He can miss bats with fastball, curve, slider, and change all, you know, above average to plus offerings. Uh, walk rate, that's been the issue with him. He's been, you know, right around like this year, in uh, 24 starts, the walk rate was above 10%. That's not ideal. It's not terrible either. It's like kind of like roughly where Freddie Peralta is right now, like 10.5% walk rate. So if he can get, you know, start throwing more strikes and start pounding the zone more, I think he's really going to take off. He could be like a number two type of starter. Uh, so yeah, definitely another one that's like draft and hold leagues, uh, deep benches. I think you could stash him because he's, he's going to be very good, at least missing bats right away. And a reminder to everyone listening, uh, the, 2021 was his first 
time in the in the minors. I said I saw him in high A. That was this season. He yeah. was in triple A this season. Um, when I saw him in high A, he was like 45% strikeout rate. So it's insane. It was like watching me and Eric against a 250-mile-an-hour <laughs> uh, pitching machine. It's Pretty just much, like, yeah. yeah, you're not hitting the ball. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, he's definitely got to watch. And the last guy is one of my – absolute favorite pitching prospects and he was already a top prospect but he he looked like he took a major jump in everyone's eyes this year is that's Grayson Rodriguez he went from like one of the top the top pitcher for the Orioles to one of the top pitchers period uh, so uh, what do you think of him he only made it up to double a uh, this year but he is someone I just wanted to talk about with you because I'm very excited I expect him to dominate uh, in the early season where uh, the I think he could get the call to the Orioles but again they can finish in last uh, with or without Adley, with or without Grayson. So we'll have to see how they handle things. But, uh, yeah, I love Grayson Rodriguez and wanted to at least talk to you about him a little bit. Absolutely. Grayson Rodriguez just looks like a frontline ace type pitcher in the making. Every box, like if you like your definition of an ace frontline guy, there's these check boxes. He checks them all off. Like he's got the stuff. He's got the command. He's got the frame. He's 6'5", 220. Very strong frame. I think he could be a an innings eater as well. I don't know what we define as innings eater anymore. It's at 180 plus innings now, but I think he could be a guy that pitches a lot at a high strikeout rate. Good, he's above average command as well. Fastball mid to upper 90s. Good movement on it. Three break, uh, three off speed pitches. Slider is very good. Changeup and curve are good as well. He can he can miss bats with all four of his offerings? And I saw that. I saw one of his double A starts. Uh, when I was down visiting some friends and family down in that Philly, uh, South Jersey area, I made the 45, 50 minute trip northwest of Philly to Reading, where he was starting just to go watch him. And it was it was worth it. He had 161 Ks this year, and only 103 innings. Yeah, I think he's going to be the real deal. Probably a triple A guy to start the year. Did have 18 double A starts. So I think he's kind of maxed out and shown all he needs to show at that level. So triple A to start the year more than likely. And I think another kind of midseason guy. And Baltimore's org has gotten better. You know, player development th- department has gotten better over the last few years with the new team they brought in and you know, all the numbers and everything you could want from him. He, he, he checks off. So yeah, definitely Grayson Rodriguez. It's like him and Boz like are neck and neck for top pitching prospect in the game. And I'm very excited about both of them. All right. Um, and that was Grayson Rodriguez of the Orioles. Eric, that pretty much does it as we've uh, eclipsed the one hour mark on this half hour show. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Uh, is there any last thoughts, uh, any players we maybe we didn't talk about, um, anything you kind of want to let the audience know as we wait through this offseason, hoping that the season starts on time? No, I think we, we pretty much covered it. I mean, we'll probably have some surprise prospects. We always do every year that we didn't think would start up in the major leagues, but, you know, they do. But, yeah, there's a lot of intriguing guys coming up next year. Like, I think like 17 of my top 50 I have is like, 2022 ETA. So it's going to be a really fun season. Hope it starts on time. Again, fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. This was a lot of fun. All right. And uh, remind everyone where they can find your awesome work, uh, what you have planned over a fan tracks for the off season. Yeah. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Cross 04. All my written work is at fantrexhq.com. I also have the, our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash fantrax toolshed and the fantasy baseball black book that Joe Pisa Pia puts out every year. I'll be doing the top 100 prospects in there. Uh, yeah, we're, we're still plugging right along. A lot of baseball content, more so, you know, dynasty and prospect stuff, but a lot of, you know, 2021, you know, review, 2022 look ahead stuff, player analysis, all that good stuff. So, yeah, still plenty of baseball stuff over at Fantrax HQ. 
All right. If you want to talk any more baseball, you can always follow me, everyone. I'm Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7 on Twitter. Always have my DMs open if you want to talk some baseball. So thank you for listening to Circling the Bases. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be doing a World Series preview for the Astros and Braves. Who do you got in that one? I'm I'm a Mets fan, so it's hard to root for the Braves, but they're like <laughs> a fun group. People want to root against the Astros, realizing that really there's only three guys left from the team they're booing. I love Dusty Baker, so I, I am pulling for the Astros. I love Baker too. And I, that's funny. I saw a tweet from someone that's like, if you're a Mets fan, you can't root for the Braves. Um, so that's kind of funny, but I am going Braves and seven. I think their offense is comparable to Houston's. And I like the starters on Atlanta a little bit more. So I think when they got, you can have a one, two, three of Morton, Ian Anderson and Max Freed. I think that I like that a little more than Framber, Luis Garcia and like Urquidy or Granky. So I'll how, go brave. How, how dare you disrespect Luis Garcia? <laughs> <laughs> I like I like him, and he just shut oh, down my no, Red you're, Sox. Oh, you're but... right. Great, great <laughs> rotation. I yeah. have a hard time picking against a team where Kyle Tucker bats sixth and the American League batting champion bats yeah, seven. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a little good. that's a little ridiculous, but yeah, I, guess. It's, it's, I think it's going seven regardless. I think it's gonna be a great series. Yeah, it should be. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening to the show, everybody. Tune in tomorrow. See you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.